those that have some sort of platform that attracts a significant amount of people or are in the spotlight of a sport, of entertainment, of politics, whatever the case may be, there comes a time when you've got to say something about it, right? Even if it's just an observation or it's to help inspire, it's helped to be a part of the solution, or you can just point at everything that's happening and say those darn looters and the country's going to hell. Well, however you choose to observe it, that's on you. That's your choice. That's the great thing we have in this country and, and the freedom of speech and the freedom of expression and the right to assemble, right, which is, uh, you know, being challenged by certain authorities these days, but uh, I won't get uh, into that discussion. The power of a statement. Now, I want to read you this quote and then discuss who we haven't heard from. And I'm having deja vu as I say that, in a sense. And I want to, let me just read this statement first, and then we'll get into statements we have not heard, and maybe why. This is a statement from John Wildack. Syracuse Athletic Director, on certainly the events of the world and as they happen now. Quote, our actions as a department and a family will continue to show our willingness to work together for a better tomorrow. Right now, our focus is to support the members of our Orange family, particularly people of color who are experiencing an extremely trying and emotional time. As we move forward, we will continue to strive to foster an inclusive environment where all backgrounds and beliefs are valued and respected, we must affect change. I think that's a great statement from Syracuse. I think it addresses the issue. Now, all these statements have been coming out, and it's almost become like a sport to criticize some of the statements. Well, you didn't say George Floyd's name, or you didn't do it this way. It's like, listen, you can't ask for people of a prominent nature, whatever the case may be, to put out a statement and then try and write it for them, right? Like, that's... You can criticize it, certainly. You can criticize a lack of a statement if you choose to do that. But we're all in kind of a sensitive world here, and you've got to do these things in a sensitive way. So that's the statement for John Wildhack. All of the official Syracuse accounts, of course, retweeted it. Some coaches retweeted it. Jim Beheim put out his own statement about the protests, about the killing of George Floyd, about kind of the state of the world we're in now. Several coaches have put out their own statements. Some have followed that up with, and here's what I intend to do about it here, because it's it's a local issue. All politics are local, right? All issues are local in a sense, but it's a national story, but it affects every single one of us, particularly when you have these schools that have African-American athletes in them, particularly at, at a school like Syracuse, where there were protests both semesters from the Not Again SU movement, who at the heart of that message was, we don't feel safe here. We are receiving racist messages. There was very public racist messages out there. And even if that's kind of like discussing the looters now, knuckleheads and just real jerks taking advantage of another situation for whatever their their methods and their motivation are, there was a message there from Not Again SU. And it wasn't just from one racist message put in a bathroom or one incident, it was a buildup. It was a pattern of behavior 
that they brought to light to say, this is not working for us. You need to make us feel safe here. We need to figure this out, right? So for Syracuse, this hits home. This hits home for everybody, but the wound is fresh. Even before coronavirus shut down Syracuse in terms of in-person learning, having to go to distance learning, there was talk about how campus would have to be shut down, how campus was affected, how classes were affected because of those protests. That's how significant they were. You don't need me to remind you of that, but that's the way it was. Okay. Now, I want to be careful and fair about this. This is not a criticism. It is more of a curiosity. Through the not again SU protests, we did not hear much from Dino Babers, one of 13 African-American head coaches in college football. I believe he addressed it. I couldn't find it in looking for it before he we went on the air, but I know he was asked about it and addressed it in a way I believe he was saying that he talked to the team about it and it's being dealt with internally and so he did address it, but it, there was not a public statement of support of any of, from what I can recall, if I'm wrong about that, somebody sent it to me and I'll correct the record. But remember Jim Beheim, and I'm not, again, this is not a comparison. It's not a criticism. It's just, this is what happened. Beheim, like he put out a statement about Floyd, went to visit with the protesters, went down there at the press conference that night after Syracuse played, went through the history of how Syracuse has welcomed African-American athletes, roomed with Dave Bing. It's not the best history in some ways, obviously, with the Syracuse 8 and some other incidents that have come through the years. But look, Syracuse's track record there is a good one. The first African-American Heisman Trophy winner in Ernie Davis. Should have been the first African-American quarterback to win the Heisman in Don McPherson, but don't get me going on that, right? Jim Brown, while Jim Brown certainly had his issues... An early star African-American football player at Syracuse University. Dave Bing, as we mentioned early in the process. Like Syracuse's, their track record, while not spotless, has been favorable over the years of welcoming and embracing and making African-American athletes part of the community, part of the the school and, and its history and its athletic program. And certainly beyond athletics, but we're doing a sports show here, at least trying to with no sports and the way the world is right now. So here we are again. The voices are louder. The situation is more intense. It's in everybody's backyard. And we have not heard from Coach Babers. Again, I want to stress, as I'm saying it, it's not a criticism. It's an observation. I'm just wondering why. Because as we were saying a few minutes ago, sometimes statements are hollow. Statements are just, you know, you feel like you got to put it out there and kind of appease the PRs and appease people. And are like, well, how come you haven't said anything yet? Somebody writes a story or puts out a newsletter, as I said. Well, 24 of 32 NFL teams have put out a statement. Oh, well, we can't be one of the eight that didn't. So, hey, fire out a statement, right? Like sometimes it's disingenuous. I can only speculate here because... Coach Babers, he turns down a lot of media requests. I I will say this. I enjoy my weekly conversations with Coach Babers immensely. We always have a good time. The inside is appreciated. He is one of my favorite people to deal with at Syracuse. 
for whatever reasons, again, let me stress, not a criticism, he turns down more than he accepts in terms of media. He's very calculated and careful what he says publicly, which is his right. That's just how he is. We're spoiled by Beheim because he's accessible. He'll come on. He'll do it. Right? That's a rare thing these days because as generations go by and coaches at the Division One level, football and basketball, they're more in the, I'm going to be calculated with what I say. I'm going to be careful with what I say. You know, Jim Beheim is an open locker room for his basketball team. That is a rare thing in any sport these days. It's typically kind of the sit at the podium, everybody gets the same quotes kind of post-game approach. I have always appreciated that about Jim Beheim. Times when you would think you're not going to have an open locker room, players that have gotten in trouble, controversial situations, he's always welcomed that. As much as Jim has a reputation of being you know, confrontational with the press at times, Jim fully understands the role of the press. We just had our, our I'm a member of the Syracuse Press Club, we just had our award ceremony recently, had to do it virtually as everybody had to these days. Jim and Julie Beheim did a video for us. This was before all the George Floyd stuff, by the way, hit. Jim and Julie Beheim did a video for us, for the Syracuse Press Club. And Jim did it with a smirk on his face, knowing like, yeah, this is coming from me, but describing the importance of the press, describing the importance of journalism, describing the importance of what we do and how we do it, even though obviously it doesn't always agree with the methods. But that's the beauty of the whole thing. Dino is more calculated with what he says and how he says it. I just find it interesting, though, how many coaches have put out statements and addressed this, and he has remained quiet. Now, maybe he's letting wild hack statements speak for him. Like when the Not Again SU stuff came up, I, I believe his approach was, and I'm not going anything he said publicly, it was basically like, look, we're doing this day-to-day. We're going to keep this in-house. We're going to deal with this with our team. We're going to listen to what they have to say. We're going to keep our house in order. And you don't need to know how we're doing that. That's fair. That's his choice. I respect that. What I will say is, given the state of the world, given the state of our community, his voice would be a welcome one. Because here is somebody who has risen through the ranks and become a head football coach at the Division I level in college football, still in the year 2020, there's how many Division I college football jobs? 130-ish, right? There's 13 African-American head coaches. 13 out of 130 in a sport that's 75% African-American. But the coaches are, you know, do the math on that, 13 out of 130. So given that we're looking for solutions, how do I do this? How do I address it? How do we make this better? Prominent voices in the African-American community, in this particular case, sports, I think are welcome to guide us to say, what can we do and how can we do it? Because you deal with this every day, not just because you are African-American, but the, the players that you coach, the role that you have, people listen to you. Dino is a great motivator. People listen when he speaks. People appreciate what he has to say about football, how he has to say it about not just his team and the game. I mean, we know about the locker room speeches. We know about the stuff that goes viral. We know about the personality, and he loves movies and all that stuff. 
I think his voice would be welcomed and appreciated, even if it was just a statement. And again, if I missed it somewhere, somebody please send it to me. I just checked his Twitter feed, didn't see it there. The Syracuse football account, did a, they did a, a thing on social media today across the board that was Blackout Tuesday, where a lot of social media accounts just put up a, a picture of essentially would be a, a black screen and said, we're going to stay off social media for the day. We're going to reflect. We're going to listen. It was kind of a way to say, Stop talking and listen. Listen to what the protesters are saying, and but still a way to send a message visually on a visual forum, right? So the Syracuse football account did that. It's not as if the university's been silent. It's not as if some of the student-athletes have been silent. Far from it. But his voice carries the most weight in this, I think, because of the level he coaches at, who he is, and how respected his voice is. Now, if his choice is, I'm going to keep it in-house, I'm going to deal with it with my players internally, I'm going to do this day-to-day, you can say what you want to say, it doesn't do anything, it's actions that speak louder than words, awesome. That's what you're choosing to do, I respect that. I respect that fully. I still would appreciate it, and I think a lot of people would appreciate it, if that's what you told us. Like, listen, hey, this is what's happening outside of our doors We're going to handle it this way. So when these men go out into the world, they are prepared to be part of the solution to what we're seeing out there. They're prepared to handle this. That's my role as a coach, African-American or not. And I'm just making this up off the top of my head. If that's how he approaches it, I, I totally respect that. Again, this was more of a curiosity than it was a criticism. This is not a criticism. I want to emphasize that. It's a curiosity, and it's an invitation in a way for someone like me who cannot relate to this. I can't. I can only listen, learn, and try and be a part of the solution as best as I can from my perspective, okay? I've had a good life, a privileged life, a life that certain advantages come my way just because of the color of my skin. That is undeniable. So when... I watch and hear the statements and and hear the pain of the protesters and what they're asking for. Like, I can listen to that. I cannot pretend to understand it. Like, I I don't understand what they're going through, but I can can certainly listen and learn and try and relate as best as I can and, and help in whatever ways I can. Dino's voice, I think, would help guide that, not just for me, but for a lot of people, right? So that's all. I just think we've gotten deep into this. I've seen so many statements from people. I'm like, that guy put out a statement. And again, it gets to a point where it's like, we better say something about that. And then it's hollow and it's disingenuous. It's like, really? like, And then the, and then the statements themselves get criticized and it just becomes a vicious circle. But there's a list of people whose words carry weight. And he's at the top of it. I've done this occasionally here and there because there's so many things that we've missed about sports. The encouraging thing is sports is making it slow but sure return. We just mentioned some of those plans the NBA has in place, NHL has in place, that baseball better get into place if it wants to remain relevant in the sports conversation. NASCAR has returned, of course. We've been carrying that for you right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Thanks to our friends at A&P Auto Parts. 
So we're seeing things either come back or there's a plan for them to come back. But we still miss sports. We still don't have the full brunt, the all-you-can-eat buffet of sports that we usually have here on June the 2nd. So here are the top six things that I miss right now about sports. Number six. I miss box scores. I miss waking up. I am old school, not necessarily in the newspaper anymore, but I read box scores. I enjoy box scores. I enjoy the randomness of box scores, the rhythm of box scores. You can kind of add an addendum to this. I enjoy keeping score at a baseball game. I'm not exactly 100% diligent with that, like I'm marking every single play. I just enjoy having the option to keep score while I chat with my friend and drink a cold beer and have the peanuts, the Cracker Jacks, the hot dogs, and the whole thing. So I, I miss baseball, but those things specifically, including the box scores. Number five. NBA draft speculation. There have been mock drafts put up. There have been experts that have chimed in on it. The scout who knows would certainly be giving me some good juicy intel here with the Chicago camp normally having been completed right now. And where Elijah Hughes would be going in the NBA draft. We have no idea when the NBA draft is going to be, given everything that's pushed back and they have yet to finish their season. I miss those conversations. I would certainly be encouraged with, and would. here's what I would not be missing. The people that would be, and they're out there, but the opinions held by people that he would be better off returning for another year at Syracuse. Right, And that yearly discussion we have about these players, and you just kind of insert the fresh name there. But Hughes is an intriguing prospect. I've seen legitimate NBA mock drafts, if such a thing exists, legitimate NBA speculation that he could slip into the first round. The buzz is good there right now. The workouts would only help a player like Elijah Hughes. So I miss that speculation because we'd really be starting to ramp it up now that the calendar's turned to June. Number four. I just miss the Red Sox. I miss my Boston Red Sox. I miss watching those games. I miss discussing the Red Sox with my Red Sox friends. Shout out to my buddy Mikey K out at the B2. I miss arguing with Yankee fans. I miss walking into this office, depending on what the result of that Red Sox-Yankees game was, or just Red Sox and Yankees separate. And the look I would get from our boss, the great Ed Levine, based on that, the tweets I would randomly get from my Yankee friends out there about the results of Yankee and Red Sox games. So, again, this relates to missing baseball. I, I miss the Red Sox. I miss my team. Number three. You know who I miss right now hearing on a regular basis? I miss Mike Breen. They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry. Way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining. The brilliant shooting of Stephen Curry continues. I miss just circling through, and we'd really be getting into it. The NBA Finals would be around the corner, and just the brilliance of a great play-by-play announcer, which brings me to... Number two. I miss the doc. ...to go. The single looking for one. Tourist doesn't give it to him yet. Tourist to the outside, let it on back. Carlson there. Fires! Drag it off the pack scramble! They score! That one came off Stolberg. It's Schultz working it back in deep. Fresh from the bench, it's Crosby. Crosby on Kunitz and Schultz. Penguins win it! And they've got it in the final! A 
master at work. And remember, in hockey, it's not exactly Brown over to Jones over to Henry. Those are names that are hard to say as smoothly as Doc Brown does it. Or Doc Brown. Doc Emmerich does it. Doc Brown. I was watching Back to the Future last night. That's why I said that. Doc Emmerich does it. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. There's that word again, heavy. Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull in the future? Sorry, I got on a Doc Brown rant there. I miss Doc Emmerich, which means I miss hockey, but I miss him in particular. Number one. Now, I'm going to go back to baseball. I miss a lot of things about baseball right now. Can you tell? But what I miss the most right now, particularly that we're getting into this time of the year, the weather's warmer, summer is not here officially, but I think we all consider the summertime now. I miss the randomness of baseball. I don't just miss my team and the box scores and the rhythm of baseball. You know what I miss? The randomness of baseball. Baseball is a sport by its very nature that provides rhythm, provides a schedule, provides comfort, provides reliability. It's there every night for six months, no doubt about it. But you know what I miss? Waking up, checking Twitter, watching the highlights, and there was a perfect game that I missed because it was the Giants and Diamondbacks, and it completed at 2.37 in the morning. I miss triple plays. I miss those things that, even with the long-storied history of Major League Baseball, something new happens every day. I miss the randomness of baseball, the surprises that baseball brings us that no other sport can. Those shockers, those surprises, those I can't believe that happened for the first time or happened for the second time or happened randomly in a sport that is as random as it gets, showing up to call a Syracuse Chiefs game on a random night as the public address announcer and watching a team commit 10 errors in a single baseball game. I miss the randomness of not only sports, but particularly baseball.